0: Could you please turn to Psalm 112 for me, please? Psalm 112 reads like this. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Wealth and riches are in their houses. That's a good place to say amen, by the way. And their righteousness endures forever. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. I'll be asking for 20 pounds at the end of the sermon. (laughs) Who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Amen. They will be remembered forever. Isn't that kind of what we all want? They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. Can you imagine what that would look like to live without fear? In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. Can you imagine that? Imagine that, kind of <laughs> imagine that kind of effect on people who are not connected with the truth of Jesus Christ. And look what will happen to the wicked. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. Is that not a good day to be in the house of the Lord? come on, don't be miserable tonight. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. I'm sure God will bless the reading of his word. So tonight church, I wanted to talk to you a little bit if I could about what it would look like for us to lead a blessed life. In fact, I believe it's something that every human heart is searching for and longing to experience. I think there's the most wonderful book that you could read that will help you find the key and the success to a blessed life. And in fact, that book has already been read tonight. It's called The Bible. It's the best translated book of all time. And its treasure, when unlocked and indeed honored and agreed with, actually starts to bring prosperity to the human soul. There are some things, though, however, that this psalm tells us that will help us to access that blessed life. The first is found in verse 1. It's three simple words, but they have a profound impact on the way we live our lives. It says, praise the Lord. If you want a blessed life, you're going to have to learn to praise the Lord. Now, praising the Lord is really good for you. It does a number of things. The first thing is it connects your brokenness with his greatness. You see, God is consistently good all the time. And when I praise him, I'm aligning myself with his goodness. I'm positioning myself to receive a blessing from God. Praise is really good for your life. It connects you with the consistency of God in an inconsistent world it takes the temporal and attaches it to the eternal and brings the blessing of God down into a human soul. When you praise the Lord, you draw him near to you. As you lift up his name, he is drawn towards you. And not only that, it has an effect on those around you, for it tells us in the scriptures, as we lift up the name of Jesus, all men will be drawn unto him. So praise is not just good for me, it's good for those who are around me. In fact, if my life is filled with praise, those who are in my closest circle will be blessed as a result of my orientation to worshipping and praising the Lord. Those three words are probably the most foundational and powerful instruction in the scripture and they are the beginning of what it looks like for us to have a blessed life. It starts with knowing God and praising him. In fact, praise is always a starting point. And what is praise? It's being thankful and grateful and appreciative to the God who has done so much for us. And we kind of do that, don't we, before we have a meal. Emily in our house always keeps one eye open because when we have guests, we pretend that we say grace all the time. And she realizes that we don't. And so I've tried to turn it on its head a little bit and I make her say it just to be a little bit spiteful. Before she gets a chance to say, Dad, why are we doing this when she was younger? I would say, Emily, you lead us in thanking the Lord for the food. That just silences all of those problems. <laughs> Praise is good for you. It's good for those around you. And it connects us to the reality of the goodness of God. You see, I have a little philosophy in life and it's simply this. Life is hard. Life is tough. Life is difficult. Sometimes it's crushing. Life is painful. Sometimes it's problematic. But when I praise the Lord, I access this reality. God is good consistently, persistently. His goodness overrides all of my brokenness. His goodness has a sovereignty over my life. And when I access that by praising him, I start to come into partnership with the God who has everything in control. Praising the Lord is really good. Let me tell you a couple of things I think it can do for you. The first thing it does is this. It gives you the capacity to think brilliantly. You know, all around us in society at the moment, people are talking about mindfulness, mental illness, and other situations where people are emotionally distraught, Actually, when you start to pick away at some of those difficulties, some of those problems, you realize that those people's minds are filled with worry. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with guilt. They're filled with shame. They're filled with loss. They're filled with all manner of things. They spend most of their time thinking about things that are difficult, problematic, and indeed crushing to the human soul. But this is what the scriptures say about a mind that's fixed on God. God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You see, when I'm praising God, I'm focusing on his goodness, not my weakness. When I'm praising God, I'm focusing on his provision, not my problem. There's an art to training our minds to consistently remember the benefits of being in relationship with God. And if you want a healthy life, then you need to get a healthy mind. And a healthy mind is one that is filled with thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude and praise to God. In fact, as we start to focus on the benefits of the Lord, our physicality starts to change as a result of that. You know, The Bible says, so as a person thinks they live. See, if I'm wandering around all day thinking about my problems and I haven't left room or scope or space to think about God's promises, then guess what will happen by the end of my day? I will be consumed by my problems. My problems will seem magnified, they will seem in many ways too big to endure, they will seem out of control, but when I fix my mind on God, when I engage with thankfulness in my mind, I believe that what happens to our soul is this, is that we start to expand on the inside, and I may still have problems, but I have promises that supersede them. I may have difficulties, but I have a delight that's grown up in my heart that causes me to see the world from a different perspective. Whenever I'm focused on the goodness of God and I'm grateful with my mind, training it to think about the benefits of the Lord, I find that my life becomes a little bit more like I want it to be. I start to live in some of the blessing that's the reality of mine in Christ Jesus. Praise is always our starting point. And so we need to train our minds to be thankful. To praise God with our minds is a good thing. Whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, these things think upon. Now church, I want to be real with you. This is not a wishful thinking for us. This is a discipline that we have to engage with. No one's going to do this for you, and even if you come out for prayer at the end of our time tonight, you're not going to have some magical transportation into a mind that's filled with God's glory. You're going to have to take every thought captive, every vain imagination that sets itself up against the purposes of God. And what are the purposes of God? That you would have a blessed life, that you would be so connected to the God who is good in spite of the fact that your life might be tough. Because his goodness is always available to us, and we can access that goodness through thankfulness. Praise is our starting point. The second thing is, praise is really good for our hearts. You know, if I I grew up in a house where my, my father struggled a lot with depression and he, he would go for days and days without speaking to anyone. Sometimes he would just disappear. We'd spend half of our time running around the city of Birmingham looking for him. And you know, I look back on those years and I realise that we were in an environment where my father's heart was very sick. It was very, very broken. It was, it was weakened by his obsession and his desire to constantly regurgitate what was wrong or, or difficult in his life. Now, I know that's not always the case for people who struggle with depression, but actually growing up in a family where somebody was so orientated to negativity actually trained me in many ways for my Christianity. Because I knew the power of negative thinking. I knew the power of a heart that was engaged consistently with lack actually could affect and cause problems and difficulties for those around it. Flipping that on its upside, when my heart and my mind is engaged in thankfulness, it's like medicine to my soul. I become strong on the inside, resilient against the difficulties that I face. No matter what the enemy throws at me, no matter what difficulties come my way, I have already set my heart to thankfulness and I know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So your mind and your heart, they need to connect with the goodness of God and you do that through thankfulness. If you want a blessed life, you need to train your mind and you need to engage your heart in consistently being thankful and grateful no matter what your circumstances are like. Do you know, church, I believe you can have a stronghold of joy that determines the outcomes and the decisions and indeed the success of your life. If you've got joy on the inside and you've got problems on the outside, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And we have confined, have we not, praising and thanking God sometimes to church. Do you know that you have access to him 24-7? You don't need another worship song to, to play before you can open up your soul before the Lord, open up your mind and open up your heart in praise and thanksgiving to God. Our praise is not limited to these environments. We carry the capacity to worship him in every environment we stand in. Now, here's another thing that happens when I'm thankful in my mind and I'm thankful in my heart. Actually, everywhere I go, that thankfulness gives me access to the goodness of God, but it also opens up an open heaven over my life so that God can impact people around me. When I'm thankful in here and I'm engaged with thought life that's positive, and I'm not just talking about positive thinking, thinking about the excellencies of God and thanking Him mentally and drawing myself to this place of the expansive and most glorious reality that God is great, then actually every room I walk into, I'm already positioned so that God can do something in me and therefore do something through me. And how difficult is it for us to be thankful? Now, some of us have made a career out of being miserable. We're always in the Western world a little bit more focused on what hasn't happened and not that aware, if indeed grateful, for what God has done. A number of years ago when we were in a revival in Glasgow, we'd get people up to share testimony and people would come up and I'd say, what has God done for you? And they'd say, well, it feels a little better. I said, what feels a little better? My arthritic pain. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much better is it? Oh, it's up near a 9. But I still have pain. I'm still in pain, a little bit here at the bottom. I used to say to those people, you know, why do you focus on what God hasn't done whenever God has done so much for you? And I keep it real with you, church. If you went to the doctor and he gave you a pill that took away 90% of your pain, you'd be telling all your friends about it. You would be the best advert for that particular practice in the whole of your community. We have our minds consistently engaged in negativity. We need to train our minds to praise God and we need to train our hearts to praise the Lord and we need to open our mouths and declare that he is good because we are not conditioned by the circumstances, the problems and the difficulties of this world. We are a new breed of people. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have access to the goodness of God 24-7 all days of the week and I don't need to allow my my circumstances to determine my praise. In fact, my praise determines my circumstances. In Psalm 100 verse four, it says, enter into his courts with praise. If you want to access the fullness of who God is, then practice your praise. And as you practice your praise, you connect with the one who is praiseworthy. Praising is good for your mind, it's good for your heart, it's good for those around you, it's good for your physicality, and actually it's the place, the opening between heaven and earth where God can start to form something fresh and something new around you. Praising is really good for us. We should do it more often. We should take it up for Lent. We should thank the Lord all the time. A number of years ago, I went through a very cynical season in my life, and I remember God challenging me about it because I was the kind of person at that point that thought whatever could go wrong was going to go wrong. Have you ever met somebody like that? Nudge the person you're sitting next to and say to them, I think he might be talking about you. (laughs) Now, I didn't get there because I had a personality type that was negative. My life was in a difficult place. Have you ever had a difficult season? Come on, talk to me, church. Sometimes life is really difficult. And in spite of all your best efforts to, to do the right thing and be the right person, stuff happens. It just, it's like, you know, it's not one bus coming at you with the lights on. It's a whole fleet of them. And you're trying to navigate them in the midst of your, your, your walk with Jesus Christ. And so I remember just recognizing in myself that I had become quite negative. And the Lord said to me, I want you to practice gratefulness. Well, I thought I was okay. I mean, I was a pastor. We do that. I lead worship. That's praise. That's thankfulness. Well, you know, I decided I would have a go at this. And I'm in the shower in the morning, and I'm trying to practice gratefulness. And I start like this. God, I want to thank you for Jane. No, I do. I want, I'm trying to be diligent here. God, I want to thank you for Jane. Well, I don't know if I want to thank you for Jane. Because <laughs> last night she wasn't that nice to me. Father, I want to thank you for the church. <laughs> well, I can thank you for her and her, but I'm not thanking you for him. <laughs> and I'd set out to do 15 minutes of gratefulness, and we're like three seconds in, and I'm struggling. At the same time, I'd turn up at the church and I'd say to the Lord in the meetings, why are people so negative? (laughs) And God began to teach me that what was happening in me was affecting those around me. There's something about someone whose life is caught up with praising God that causes them to be highly contagious And as negative as you are, or anyone is for that matter, when somebody who's caught up with praising God and thanking God comes anywhere near them, the atmosphere begins to change. Now, the same is true with the negative. There used to be a lady in that church called Joy. And every time I saw her, I thought her parents were obviously having a laugh. Because Joy by name, but not Joy by nature... I mean, joy was so unjoyous that you went within 20 feet of her and the whole of the oxygen in your body was sucked out of you. That's how negative she was. And sometimes, you know, I try, as you see me, I always like to shake hands, but I would avoid eye contact with joy. I mean, I was struggling already. I didn't want to go under. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't want it to to end my life to be sucked into the abyss of joy's soul. And she'd sometimes write letters to the church complaining about everything. (laughs) I mean, she didn't just leave her lack of joy in the seat on a Sunday. I mean, she made a career out of this and she would tell us all the time how unhappy she was about everything. And always at the end of the letter, it would say things like this, I don't feel that there's any love or affection in this church. Oh, please don't be sorry for her. (laughs) In some senses, she created that atmosphere around her life. And I guarantee you, I wasn't the only one that was avoiding her. And on my most holy days, I would go towards her with fear and trembling. (laughs) Praying, save me, Jesus, save me. (laughs) If your heart is full of gratefulness and full of thankfulness, you will affect people around you and they will connect with God far more easily. If your heart is full of brokenness and pain and and problems and difficulties and negativity, you will affect people around you and they won't invite you to dinner. You can change your life through praising God. In fact, praise is the best weapon of warfare against the enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we lift up a standard. We thank God because God is consistently good, even if my circumstances are a little bit dodgy. In fact, the enemy hates us praising God. You see, that should make us want to do it all the more, don't you think? If you want to live a life that, that is effectual in spiritual warfare, you have to learn how to praise the Lord. <coughs> sometimes people have come to me and they've said, "You know, I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying and I haven't had breakthrough. And I believe sometimes breakthrough doesn't come through praying. Sometimes breakthrough comes through praising. You see, when you are predetermined that you're going to be joyous in the Lord, regardless of what's happening around you, then the demonic forces that are against you are going to give up. They hate you praising the Lord. In fact, if anyone tries to steal your praise, you need to adopt the posture of King David. He said, you think this is bad, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. I'm going to lift my voice in the midst of adversity because I know that adversity is the gateway to glory and the key that unlocks that glory is me praising God, thanking God. So if you want a blessed life, those three words are the starting point for anything that you could possibly imagine God would want to do in your life. Psalm 112 verse one, praise the Lord. Praise him on a Monday when the gas bill comes. Praise him on a Tuesday when somebody doesn't call. Praise him on a Wednesday when the cell hasn't gone so well and you're trying to lead it. Praise him on a Thursday whenever there's nothing on television. Praise him on a Friday because it's two days away from Sunday. (laughs) Praise him on a Saturday because you haven't got to go to work. Hallelujah. Well, some of you do. And praise him on a Sunday because it sets you up, it conditions your mind, it restores your soul, it aligns you in blessing because God is so good and it affects those around you. Praise is really good for you if you want a blessed life. The second thing that helps us have this blessed life is found in verse 2. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Psalm 112 verse 1, sorry. What does it mean to be blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied? is the man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord? The amplified Bible speaks of it in that way. you see God in his nature and we need to make up our minds about this, is good. you sometimes I talk to people and i don 't recognize the God they 're talking about people say the weirdest of things. They say things like that. He's punishing me. And I try and remind them that that can't be true because Jesus took the punishment for our sin. I think some of us think that God is a cosmic killjoy, that he doesn't want us to be happy and he doesn't want us to be fulfilled. And once again, I don't recognize that God. (laughs) Because Jesus... Who demonstrates the nature and the character of God said these words to us I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness. Throughout the whole of the Bible, we read story after story where God's intentionality was to bless his people. God desires to bless you. Now, let me ask you the question Do you expect to be blessed? Because it's one thing having a theology that says that God desires to bless you, it's a whole other thing to come into agreement with that and expect those blessings. You see, when I've lived like an orphan, and I've thought like an orphan, and I've talked like an orphan, it's very hard when I become a Christian and I'm adopted into the family of God to have that kind of expectation that someone's going to look after me. It's difficult to press past my earthly experiences and step into my heavenly destiny. But here are some things that helped me. The day that my eyes were opened to Jesus, I couldn't have been more blessed. At that point, God brought me into relationship through his son with God the Father. The Holy Spirit became my friend. He became my greatest cheerleader. In every circumstance or situation I faced, I felt his abiding presence. Now, there's something about the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that should make you feel exceptionally blessed. You know, God just doesn't hang out with anyone. And here's the wild thing. He took your broken temporary body, your temporary digs, and he set up home inside of you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, He isn't just touching you to get you to function in ministry. He came to live inside of you by the power of his Holy Spirit. God is in you. He's with you. He's for you. So the day that you became a Christian, the day that I became a Christian, that was a signal to me that of all the people on this planet, God had chosen me to be his son. he chosen me to bless me. He wanted to bless me, to give me a hope. I needed a hope. Does anybody else need a hope? And he wanted to secure a better future for me than the one I could have secured on my own. God is consistently looking for ways to bless you. In fact, he brought you here tonight because he wants to bless you. He sat you next to the person you're sitting next to you because he wanted to challenge and bless you all in the same breath. And if you start to have that kind of of expectation on God, please don't think it's audacious. I think in some senses, we could almost take God for granted because his nature and his character is always good that whatever he is going to give you is going to be really good for you, even at first if you don't fully understand how it benefits you. God only gives good gifts to his children. You see, and he didn't just save you. I mean, that's a blessing enough, but actually he's sanctifying you. Do you know how much we've tried to get that to happen for you? Do you know how many counseling sessions it would take? Do you know how many books you'd have to read, how many conferences you'd have to go to? Can you think about the amount of effort, energy that it would take for you to transform you out of the broken person you are to the beautiful person you've become? Church, you are highly blessed tonight. He who began a good work in you does not sleep or slumber and he carries on and keeps on because he believes that the power of the Spirit inside of you is the, is, the and your agreement with that Holy Spirit will bring you into freedom. It'll bring you into blessing. You know, I've been around people all my life who are broken. They've been in therapy for 40 years but just one touch from the King changes everything. I've seen people go in and out of all kinds of institutions to get free from all kinds of problems. They turn up in some gathering like this and the Lord touches them and their heart just begins to swell inside their lives and they just become a completely different person. Person. (laughs) You need to remind yourself in everything, through everything, in spite of everything, God desires to bless you. He is the blessing God who blesses you with abundance. He blesses you with his presence. He blesses you with salvation. He blesses you with healing. He blesses you with restoration. And do you remember that thing you thought you'd never get over? You're over it because he blessed you. He blessed you. I have to choose to posture my heart in expectation For blessing. It's not just automatic that somehow it'll all pan out in the end. I have to come into agreement with God with expectation. We would call that word in other environments faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, blessing really can be partnered with favor. Now, church, I've never been anybody's favorite. No, it's worse than that. <coughs> the tissues will be handed out. I've never been anybody's favorite. I wasn't my father's favorite. I tell you I tell you that's not true. I was my mother's favorite. She had great taste. I wasn't the one they picked on the school team. I wasn't the one that was teacher's pet. I didn't live in an environment where anybody thought I was anything much at all. (laughs) And so when I became a Christian, I thought I'll just muddle by and get through. (laughs) I'll keep my head down and keep out of the way. And have you noticed in church, people have a lot of opinions about how you live your life. (laughs) It's better to be silent and be presumed a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So I learned to nod in all the right places, smile in all the right places, lift my hands in all the right places. But what I failed to realize is I was standing amongst the people who were really blessed of God, but I too was blessed of God. And God blessed me so that I could become a blessing. And I found that transition quite difficult. I could accept in part that God who was good would want to bless me, But I couldn't believe in any way, shape, or form that God would ever use my life to bless anybody else. Because I was weak and broken and had areas of my soul. I used to say, you know, I wasn't a basket case, I was 12 baskets of a case. I had more issues than there were issues on the planet. But I knew I was loved. I knew that he loved me right down deep inside of who I am. I knew that God loved me. I recognized over time that he liked me. He would tell me things that were secrets, he would tell me things about other people that were secrets. He still does. And thank God he's never told my secrets to anyone. Do you ever come across people, looks like they know the whole of your life and they, you haven't even opened your mouth and they've read you? And out of that revelation of being blessed and loved and having God's favour in my life and accepting that is my now new condition and seeing that somehow in spite of my weaknesses, he would use me to bless other people I started to orientate my mind to a place of expecting his blessing. So at that time, I would travel singing and I'd queue up, you know, at the, at the airport. You know how you do when you're going economy? Have you noticed that misery visits you in the queue when you're going economy? I'd only ever gone economy. But, you know, at that point, I would say to God, I wonder if you want to bless me here. And you'd go up to the person who was checking in the bags and they weren't a great blessing. They had a long day. And I'd say, God, I wonder if you want to bless me here. And then you queue up in the endless queue to, you know, force your bag into the hold above with 45,000 people. It felt like pushing you from side to side And I'd say, God, I wonder if you want to bless me here. Now, the evidence wasn't looking like that might be the case. And I'd sit down in my seat, and before I could buckle myself in, I would say, God, is it possible that you would like to bless me here? And nothing happened. In fact, not only did nothing happen, I didn't get the beef. I got the chicken (laughs) and didn't feel blessed at all. And I'd say as the chicken came, God, I wonder if you want to bless me here and I'd get a tap on my shoulder, and one of the air stewardesses would say, sir, we'd just like to upgrade you to first class. Would you like to come to first class? I'd say, let me think about that. (laughs) Or even something worse, I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) I was expecting it. When I walk into a shop, I expect to get a good deal. Amen? When I talk to people, I expect they might like me. I know some of you are playing catch-up, but I expect most people might like me. I can't talk about the God who blesses me and separate myself from expecting that blessing in every environment that I stand in. We are highly favoured of God. You've been blessed in so many ways and he wants to bless you consistently. Yes, you do need to come into partnership with it, but you do need to start expecting the blessing of God. Now, here's why we don't do it, because sometimes we've tried to do that and it hasn't materialized. But aren't there other things in your life you tried the first time and it didn't work? How many of us died and went to heaven when we had our first curry? I vowed when I had my first curry, I would never eat it again. I mean, I do think the person who made it put extra chilies in it just to prove a point. But I tell you what, it felt like hell on the inside. It was so hot. It was so, so hot. And my mouth began to swell. Never going to eat that again. Until, of course, I went somewhere and someone was cooking it and I thought, maybe I'll give it a second try. Gave it a second try and I thought, this isn't as bad as I remember. In fact, there's some nice tastes in curry. All these years later, I don't know how many curries I've had. You see, if I just allowed the first experience to determine my life, I wouldn't have gone to the restaurants, enjoyed the experiences, and had stories to tell about the blessings of God. Church, we need to press past The first point of contact with expectation that God's going to bless us and keep on expecting it and expecting it and expecting it. Why? Because God delights to give good gifts to his children. The third thing that will open up a blessed life for you is found in verse one also. It says, the man who delights greatly in his commandments. You see, if I want to enjoy the God of promise, I need to start to get to know the promises of God that have been given to me in the Scriptures. I need to start to live with partnership and alignment to the truth that is on offer to me. I think sometimes Christians are good at reciting the Word of God. We think because we've read lots of volume of words and and books of the Bible that we actually are living in the fullness of God. You know that you can have a mind full of truth and a life that's not in partnership with that truth. In the book of Proverbs all the way through in the wisdom book, it tells us that real wisdom is doing what is right, not thinking you know what is right, but actually doing what is right. It's good that we have faith in the goodness of God but we also need to have a life that demonstrates that we are convicted and convinced that when we do it God's way, it actually is the best way. And we've somehow permissioned ourselves to have loads of information without very much application. So let me explain. Is it not true that the Bible says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed? Yes. Now, it doesn't say pray for the sick in the same context. It doesn't say think good thoughts about those who are sick. It doesn't say, why don't you fast for the sick? It doesn't say study all the scriptures that tell us that God heals the sick. That would be good to do. What does it say? Lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. Now, I've watched over the years how I've Connected with that truth. And I don't mind praying for people who are sick, but there's something about laying hands on the sick that just feels a little bit risky. I mean, what if God doesn't do it? And here's my problem with that. What I'm simply saying is, God, I'm so frightened of failing you and failing this person, I'm not going to step out in faith and lay hands on the sick. There has to come a point where I apply the word of God. Not just philosophize around it, not just theologize it, but actually apply it. Now why do we lay hands on the sick, I believe, to connect the God inside of you with the person that's around you? And you know, if the God inside of you can change you and transform you and bless you and fill you with his presence, then he might, through you, bless somebody else, fill them, touch them physically, and restore them absolutely gloriously. But we're okay about praying for the sick. You know, years ago, um, we used to take teams out onto the streets in Bristol, and I always was interested at those who wanted to stay behind. We'd say we're going to go out on the streets and talk to people about Jesus. And here's what quite a number of people who came to those gatherings to say, "We'll just stay here and pray." Well, that's good. But you could have done that before the night. I mean, God is available 24/7. It would have been good to talk to him this afternoon or maybe last night when you were at home. Now, what was playing itself out there is simply this. These people believed that God could heal people, but they weren't sure that God would use them to do so. Some people think that's audacious, but I have this confidence. I don't know where it's come from. I hope it's from God. That actually when I step towards somebody who's sick and I lay hands on them, that God wants to turn up and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if I understood just how important that was to him and to the extension of his kingdom, I would be far more courageous in my attempts to pray for people. And you know what, church? I'd be honest with you, it doesn't have to be spooky. I know some of us have made spooky a living. It doesn't have to be spooky. You would have to say weird things. If somebody's around you, I find most people are in pain and want to talk about it. You can physically see on some people that their body is in pain. I've even done sneaky praying. Have you ever done sneaky praying? I haven't said, I'm going to lay hands on you. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to lay hands on you. Particularly if it's somebody I'm casually speaking to on a street corner, I feel that might not be the best approach. But I'm quite a gregarious person. So, in a sneaky way, I lay hands on them and tap them on the shoulder. That was funny. (laughs) And sometimes when I'm chatting with people, I come and I put my hand on their back and they think I'm being affectionate and kind. I'm actually casting things out of them (laughs) and praying for God to deliver and to heal and to restore. We need to move from just having a philosophical, theological belief that God is good and start to apply his instruction to the way we live our lives and be a little bit more courageous, a little bit more audacious in our engagements with the world around us. Here's what it says about us. It says, all of creation has been waiting for you. They've been strumming their fingers wondering where the answer would come from. They've been longing to see something that was otherworldly. They're desperate to see the power of God and his glory. And I don't want to be an obstacle to that. I don't want to be the kind of person that keeps all that to myself. And if I happen to look a little bit strange, and trust me, I can do that all on my own. What's the big deal about that? If I lose a little bit of my street cred, and you can tell I have lots, then what's so bad about that? We say that God wants to bless us. We say that God wants to teach us how to live with the atmosphere of heaven available to us through praise and indeed exaltation and worship and adoration and thankfulness. But actually all of that is so that God can use our lives to affect others around us.